The following contains language and descriptions of scenarios that are not suitable for all listeners. This podcast contains numerous triggers for those affected by traumatic events, including rape, domestic violence, suicide, homicide, and accidents of various kinds. Names, titles, and locations have been altered to protect the privacy and safety of the living and the dead. The views and opinions expressed by hosts and guests of this podcast are for entertainment and information purposes only and should not be viewed as medical, legal, or other professional advice. Alright dude, episode two, Cooler Talks with uh, Mark and Anthony, the Mortuary Stories. Dude, I want to know... About your first car wreck. <laughs> first car wreck. Let's see. Okay. Oh, man. First car wreck was... I'm going to say three days after I started. I just turned my mic off. Sorry about that. <laughs> first car wreck was, uh, yeah, about three days after I started. And it was also the first call where I actually got the call. Like where the call from the county actually came through to me mm-hmm. on my cell phone and they gave me all the information it was, it was the train and wheels were off and it was time to go. And, uh, yeah, it was a car wreck out on a County road. I had to call in the owner for that one to come help me. Yeah. Yeah. Car wreck on a County road. This is some of the craziest stuff I've ever seen, man. Cause you know, like in movies when people wreck at high speeds, like the car, like, tumbles and rolls and yeah, like like yeah. 37 times this one did it man mm-hmm. this car traveled over 1200 yards after it rolled it traveled like 400 yards in the air before it came down and then rolled like another eight 900 yards before it came to arrest yeah so uh story is uh female late 50s intoxicated uh, estimated speeds, 85, 90 miles an hour, mm-hmm. comes around a 40 mile an hour curve and just loses it. God damn. She was in a Ford Escape and just lost it. Yeah, you're not, you can't handle that. Yeah. No, yeah. nobody can, you can't handle that. In a, um, not even Vin Diesel, bro. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to use the ejecto cedo. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, she lost it, comes around, and the, the scene was just awe-inspiring. I mean that in an awful way. It was awe-inspiring. I was dumbstruck when I got on scene. Uh, volunteer fire department and standard fire department are out here on this one. We've got state troopers. We've got uh, county as well. We've got sheriff's deputies. The skid marks <laughs> start at the curve and then just disappear. And there's about... 10 feet of skid mark, and then it just disappears. Reappears way the hell down the road. Just an impact mark in the pavement. Boom! Actually put a pothole, like a a crater in the pavement, and the car went airborne again, and you could see where it came down the next time, and then you could just start to track the debris field where it had rolled. Like it lost the hood, it lost the passenger side door, whole shooting match, the whole shebang, man. It tore this car... Everything that was in there was in the bar ditches. Yeah. And uh, 
I'm, I just wait for the owner to get there because I already know this is going to be a complicated extraction. Uh, cadaver is still in the vehicle. And the vehicle caught fire when it landed. It came down on the axles and caught fire. And uh, apparently there were two bystanders who had gone to help. Lady was already deceased. I mean, she was way dead on scene. And uh, a couple bystanders had, had seen it happen. They came attempted to pull out the body, but the car was already on fire, so they had to back off. Uh, anyways, the owner gets there, we approach, and uh, volunteer fire department is having the time of their life. Um, because the volunteer fire department doesn't get to train nearly as much as a regular fire department does. And so for this one, this is going to be a difficult extraction because this whole car is burnt down to bare metal. Everything's gone. It's just bare metal. The cadaver itself is basically cremated in place. There's not much left. Maybe slight smatterings of some hair in there. Yeah. You know, just right at the very top there. Yeah, and that happens a lot, uh, especially when the car catches fire. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, obviously they're not going to go anywhere inside, so they're just going to sit there and cook a little bit. They just burn up. Yeah. And uh, this one, I remember this fire burnt so hot that there were what was left of the deceased's femur was actually melded into the frame of the car where the leg had exited the vehicle during the rollover and then just been pushed in with so much force and then burned in with so much heat that it had melted the marrow and had literally just fused to what was left of the frame. And it was, that was the craziest thing I had ever seen. I didn't know that could happen. That's dark. Dude, it was, it was incredibly dark. It was very scary. And it turned me off of, if I'm going to be real honest, it turned me off of eating barbecue for years, man. Yeah, because there, there's also a, that, that, that smell of the body cooking. Yeah. Of it, I mean, not cooking, but burning. Uh, it smells like meat. Cooking. It really does. Yeah, it smells like meat cooking. We People don't realize that. We really are just meat suits, man. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we smell like grade A beef. And it's charred. I mean, uh, when you go to move the body um, and you touch it with your gloves, if you get that on your clothes, it's ruining your clothes. It's, oh, yeah. it's like it, the body's literally charred. And mm-hmm. you're, you're trying to move it. It's it's a crisp. It's, oh. <laughs> it's like you overcooked chicken. Yeah. People don't get that. When that's I a went, really good you that's a really good comparison. Yeah, well when I try to tell people what it was like, you know, they ask and you're like, it's it's literally like if you just did not know how to cook chicken, now you don't have an apartment. That's what that's what it is. That's what it is. Um which is actually the first way that I cooked chicken I didn't know. Oh. And burnt it. Burned down your apartment? No, I almost oh. did. I almost did, yeah. Jeez. Man. I threw it in the backyard in the middle of the winter. Luckily it just landed in the snow. That's a good idea. That was smart. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. And then I went to, like, chef school. Because I can't remember the actual name right now. Because you needed to, you <laughs> yeah. needed to yeah. go learn the culinary arts. <laughs> there you, you go, gotta culinary do it. school. I don't know what I said, <laughs> chef school. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my, 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 uh, well, go ahead and finish, yeah. Okay. Yeah, sorry. No, you're good, you're good. Um, yeah, so, like I say, before I went off track here, um, volunteer fire department is out there, and they are just, giddy with excitement because they're getting to use extraction tools. They're getting to like cut the roof off of this car because it's so cratered in that, I mean, it's just flat. Yeah. 
So they're very excited. They've got the jaws of life out there. They got the pneumatic cutter. They got the saws, and they're just going after it. Just having a training event in the middle of this scene, <laughs> and uh, we wait for them to have their fun. We move in and uh, go to make extraction, and uh, it was it was easier than I thought it was going to be. Um, people are very light oh, once yeah. most of them is carbonated, mm-hmm. carbonized, not carbonated. They didn't turn into soda. They get burned. And, uh, yeah, man, we, we lifted the what was left of the deceased out of their one arm each. Just whoosh, mm-hmm. Maybe weighed all of 30, 40 pounds. There's not much to you once all that's gone. Right. Once your organs and and all the water and what's not is gone, ah, there's not much to you. You're pretty light. You're a pretty small little thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, we made the extraction. Standard procedure, body bag. Put it in the back of the van. Continue on. Uh, I don't know if they sent that one to autopsy or not. I don't know how you would autopsy a, a deceased like that. Yeah, just like a look over. Yeah, just yeah. visual exam. Yeah, I uh, I got to sit in on a couple of autopsies. It was pretty interesting. Um, I didn't touch anything, but they. Uh, yeah. Yeah, like most of the time when they're burned like that, it's just they just like honestly just look over the body. I mean, kind of detailed. Make sure they. No stab wounds in the neck or anything, but they just kind of just like look over. They're not going to waste their time with yeah certain things. And I, they'll do tox levels too for drugs right. and alcohol. Yeah. Um. Yeah. My first call was kind of like actually my first wreck was like that too. It was two semis that hit that hit each other on the highway. Head on. Yeah. Head on. Oh. Yeah. And that was wild, dude. Because I worked with uh, I was working with this one kid that um, just didn't really care, you know. Yeah. And so he was a young kid. Uh, and so I met up with him and we were, we're driving out there together and he's like, all right, well, I've never done a car wreck. And I was like, okay, cool. Me either. So we get there, we're trying to figure it out. Right. And it's, it's too similar. Well, we get there and, um, the sheriff's department's like, dude, it, it's too hot. Like you guys can't touch him. Like, it's just, you guys are just gonna have to chill for a little bit. So we're just like sitting on, I mean, we sat on scene for like two hours, dude. Gosh. Yeah. We sat on scene for like two hours before it like cooled down. And then, uh, whenever they were able to extract the, uh, the guy out of the cab. Well, the thing is, is that um, he was burned to the seat. Oh. So they had to take the seat out of the cab and take the whole thing out. Right. And then he was still just like in that sitting position. You know? And uh, same thing, just super light. But we were like that we couldn't get him off of the seat because uh, he was so burned into it. So we were looking at ways to like try to get like body bags around the seat and him and try to put him in the back of the van because we didn't know what else to do. Right. And I never worked. You know, I didn't, I didn't know, you know. And... Uh, <laughs> Finally, dude, um, I'll change his name. I'll call him Chris. He's a firefighter that I knew on, mm-hmm. uh, during this time. And he walks up. He grabbed, he grabbed the body by the arm and just <clears throat> just put his foot against the back of the seat, ripped him off, oh. and pulled him into the body bag. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, but the, he'd stayed in that sitting position. Uh, dude, that that, that kind of creeped me out. He was, like, in the sitting position. And, you, you know, you're still trying to be respectful, so you're trying to put him on the gurney put the gurney cover over him, you know, put the straps on and stuff. But I, I was like, how the heck do I put the straps? And there's like these things that are in the way of the straps. So your straps can only go down where they're at. Like you can't adjust the straps. The straps go down where they are. And it was like around his neck. And I felt really bad about it. And I remember trying to figure out a way to not have it around his neck like that. Cause I was like, dude, he's like, this makes me an animal, you know, I yeah. was like fresh to it. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, this is, people are going to think, that I'm doing something horrible, and I didn't know what to do. Anyway, the other kid didn't care, dude. He was like, oh, you got to strap that down. <laughs> and he strapped it, dude, on oh. his neck. Yeah, and, um, yeah, that was a wild, 
that was a wild thing. Nobody, I didn't know that cars could explode like that. Yeah. And they can. And, <laughs> and they, they do. And they do. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of the time, people will die in a fiery, fiery car crash. Oh, yeah. Yeah, especially when a semi's involved. Every time a semi was involved, actually, I think. And I've seen that a lot of times because we got to cover a lot of county roads, a lot of oh, yeah. a lot of a lot of that open space roading. I think it's because um, semis have those big external fuel tanks right on the sides, man. Yeah. And then you just well, spray yeah. fuel everywhere, and it's just up in flames. <sighs> yeah. Whew. Yeah, and I think that was yeah. um. God, dude, I I don't want to say I'm scared to drive, but I definitely think about what I'm doing as I'm driving. Yeah, man. I will say one thing: that job made me a very defensive driver. Yeah. Dude, yeah, I, I, I always let people merge. I'm always yielding. I don't care if I have to slow down to 30. Mm-hmm. I'm not running into you. Yeah, I haven't had a ticket since I started that job, I think. Yeah, same. Well, I have, I mean, for like having a tail light out or something like that. But Oh, bro, I don't let them catch me. Yeah. No, you just, <laughs> I don't let them. Vin Diesel. Listen, they're going to have to work for a tail light ticket, dude. <laughs> no, but I haven't, uh, I don't drive crazy. I don't, yeah. I don't like to. I do have a... I mean, my car, I guess. I, I, and a back country road, I might go a little bit drifting if <laughs> if it's been raining a little bit because my car can. I guess. Well, it's a but, Subi. you got to yeah. turn it out every now and again. Yeah, yeah, but not like around people or anything like no. that. I couldn't do it. So Definitely if, not. If I go down, I just want it to be me perishing. So yeah, couldn't involve anybody else. But, I mean, so these bodies burn to a crisp like that, and then a lot of the time they have to be cremated right. because, I mean, you can't have a service <gasps> unless it's a direct burial. Dude, run me through because you were – Okay, for those of you that are listening, Mark was, I mean, he was de facto head of cremation. Yeah. He was, you were you were the one yeah. trained. Yeah, I was kind of like over it yeah. for a long time. Um, yeah, it's it's a super interesting, um, interesting process. It, it's, it's pretty crazy, you know, because you can't just put anybody in the retort. You know, the, the machine itself is called a retort. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't just put somebody in there. You'll go to prison. You know, there's like paperwork. There's identification that has to happen. There's there's different things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but once all that's in place, at 48 hours or 72 hours, however long you have to wait, everything's in place and you get ready to go. It's a it's a nerve wracking thing, dude, because you cannot change it. Once you press start on that machine, you you have to live with the consequence of what of what happens. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I never. Um, I mean, I paid attention to what I was doing, so I didn't ever burn anybody that wasn't supposed to be burned or anything. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's a process. You know, they they come in. You have to check for jewelry. Make sure you don't burn any rings, uh, necklaces, anything like that. Pacemakers. Um, pacemakers have a battery. So if you burn a pacemaker, it's going to explode inside the machine and cause uh, a lot of problems for a lot of people. So you have to make sure that those have been extracted. How, how do you extract those? A uh, scalpel. Yeah. Yeah. You get a scalpel right there on the outline and cut it out. So. It's worth mentioning that those things just keep beeping for like years after you take them out too. Yes, that is true. They just beep. And always in the middle of the night when you're there alone and it scares the crap out of you. Yep. And you're like, yeah. And you think someone's outside the door. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And our crematory wasn't in the, um, in the same location as the, as like the main office mortuary. So it was, it was a bit of a drive. Yeah, it was probably, what, 15 minutes? Yeah, about 15 minutes away. Yeah. So you're going out there. It's very hot, especially in the summer, just dripping sweat. Hot. Always hot. Did you ever operate it? No, no, I wasn't trained on it. Okay. Um, I, I did a lot of processing and stuff after the fact. Yeah. Um, but no, I never I never touched it. 
I guess we could walk them through it. I'll walk them through the normal process. If you okay. want to walk them through processing. Let's let's start with what the machine looks like, kind of what it's made of, what it okay. looks like, because yeah. I want people to really get it. Because it's not when I came onto the job, I had an idea, and I thought it was like a brick oven. You know, like a brick oven, oh, like yeah. that you cook pizzas in. Yeah, nothing like that. Yeah, no, no. So when you, um, first of all, ours is just like ours was like in a in a very obscure location. You would have never thought it was there. Um, had a smokestack hanging out the top, I think, and nobody really even knew what that was. Honestly, I mean, I think they just thought it was a like a vent hood. Yeah, yeah. You would never know it was there. So when you're uh, you pull up and it's uh, it's ours is green, was green. And uh, it's huge. It's about, what, eight feet tall? At least. About eight feet tall, uh, six feet wide. I don't know if that's right. That doesn't sound right. It's at least six feet wide. At least six feet? At least, yeah. At least six feet wide. has a uh, metal reflective door that opens and closes. And on the inside are, are bricks just lined up. Just these super heated, very uh, ashy bricks. And, uh, yeah, you look to the back and you can... If you start the machine when the doors open, you can see the flame shoot down the bottom. Uh, very eerie. Very, yeah. very eerie. You know, very foreboding. Especially if you do uh, bodies back to back and you can feel the heat still resonating from the last one, you know? Uh, so that's pretty eerie. But yeah, I guess the process is really once I check the identification and the paperwork and make sure all the jewelry, pacemaker, all that's gone. Um, I really, they come in another container. Sometimes they come in caskets, uh, crematable caskets. Sometimes they come in. Like another kind of cardboard box is just meant to, you know, just a little $14 cardboard box. We used to sell those. We used to, yeah, so, I mean, you put them in there. Um, I think that's pretty much it. I mean, sometimes they'll come in another container if they got shipped here from another town or something. Yeah, sometimes they're in, uh, like, rental caskets that have, like, a removable liner. Yeah, there you go, rental caskets. Yeah. Yeah, and you just make sure that they, you know, they can't have on, um, well, you make sure their shoes aren't all leather. Yeah. That's the one thing you have to make sure is like shoes aren't all or rubber. I think they could be leather. I think it's rubber because it'll stick to the bricks on the bottom of the retort. Yeah. 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 Um, and we have a place we set those aside. It's not like you take them home. No. You set them aside. You don't wear dead people's shoes. Yeah, that's gross. That's, that's bad juju, dude. <laughs> that is. Um, so yeah, so you, uh, yeah, you put them in, and as far as that process goes, it's just regulating the machine. And you can hear it when when you start it up. You can hear the body the body starts to like crackle. You know, especially if it's real quiet out there, it's just you. You can hear it crackling. Um, you know when it, when the uh, retort hitting peak performance because the door starts to kind of sway back and forth. You can hear like, uh, and if they're a big person, that door is that door is going because it's it's a grease fire. Yeah. The fat is just grease in essence. So when somebody's six seven hundred pounds, you press start for a minute, and that body's going to burn itself, and. Uh, and those are the nights where you call the fire department because you're gonna have a giant flame out the out the stack and and stuff like that. Yeah, and then um, yeah, I'll let you take. I mean, you know how to process. I mean, what, yeah, I did a lot. Of, I did some processing. Um, and this is this is actually a good a good chance uh, to. I think we could address some misinformation and some uh, folklore oh, about yeah. cremation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you ever heard the one about uh, about how people. People sit up in the fire. Oh yeah, yeah. And we now we've done this. Now sometimes part of uh, I don't know really how to put this, except that sometimes when you're monitoring to make sure that the deceased has been fully cremated, you have to crack that front door a little bit. Yeah. And check and see what's going on. 
And uh, it does happen sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think it's just the the muscles, you know, being flash dehydrated, and it causes the the body to just kind of crinkle up into a sitting position. It doesn't last. As soon as that connective tissue burns, back down you go. Yeah. Actually, so real quick. All right, so, so this one time. Okay, uh, it was pretty early on when I was running the crematory, and I didn't know everything about the machine. Now I could take one apart. I could... Whoa. I could, dude. I, I'm telling you, dude. I had to learn so much wow. about the machine. Well, before you know, when you're learning, you're learning. And um, I'd open the door, I put somebody in, and the machine was already hot. Okay, so when the machine's already like running off of like the third, it was like the third body of the day. It's already warm, so you got to get the door back down because that cardboard's gonna catch. Everything's gonna go. Bada bing, bada boom. You're getting out of there quick, right? So I push him in, and I go to close the door, and the door won't close. Dude. Okay, so, all right, in your head, you're thinking, like, okay, all right, all right, just, all right, open it back up and close it. Go back up, go back down, door won't close. Dude, I, I, I have anxiety, (laughs) I have anxiety, I freak out about things. That's not a tense situation or anything. (laughs) But I'm like, oh, shoot, and at this point, now, nothing will come out of the machine. No, No smoke or anything like that will come out of the machine. It's all ventilated, all of it is made sure to go back through the machine but you can see everything that's happening and he starts catching and you start seeing that that cardboard go up in flames and I'm like okay alright the door's gonna close this time it's gonna close it's gonna be fine I went to close that door I shit you not it didn't close now I'm like sweating I'm sweating and it's in the summer dude and I'm like I'm freaking out I don't know what to do so I call the owner and I'm like dude the door won't close this guy's on fire the door will not close he's like what do you mean the door won't close I'm like I don't I don't have another way to word it I don't I don't know what else you want me to say so if you want this problem fixed you need to get here and so dude I, he came from the office he got there quick bless his heart gosh but yeah I watched this guy and I watched the body sit up it, I mean it happens in an instant uh, like it happens in an instant yes like he did sit up and then went right back down um, but all it was was the safety pins if you have to get in the machine for any reason you push the safety pins out so that the door can't close on you because the door is about 400 pounds mm-hmm. so if the door closes you're not getting out so what had happened is I guess I had accidentally hit the safety pins out and they weren't letting the door close and all he did was push them back in oh. um, so I was and I'm, I'm not kidding I was I was in tears I, I was oh, yeah. so scared I didn't know what was going to happen and I mean, I did. It was like my tenth time operating the machine. I didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So yeah. setting up. Yeah. That's a scary moment, man. Oh, dude, I, I was like, oh yeah, I lost my job. <laughs> I'm going. I'm going to prison, aren't I? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, man, I was so scared, and nothing ever came out of the machine. You, I mean, it yeah. had a barbecue smell. Yeah. That's the most you get is like scents out of it, but. That's um, got a powerful blower motor in there. Yeah. Very. Yeah. Everything is extremely powerful. It's all going straight up the stack for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, so continue. Sorry. Oh no, no, that was. I'm glad you addressed that because that was so, that was something that I've heard a lot from people. Whenever yeah. you mention cremation, people are like, "Have you ever seen one sit up before?" Yeah, yeah, it happens. But um, yeah, as far as processing goes, I did I I did a lot of processing, you know, especially because I I'd always tended to draw the night shift for some reason. I was always working overnights. Mm-hmm. I don't remember working, but maybe two day shifts. I was always on overnights, and. uh that was prime processing time, you know what I mean? And when I say processing, I don't mean to dehumanize anyone, but that's just what you call it. Yeah, um, I mean, the machine's called a processor. Yeah, you're processing cremains. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so you just shorten it to processing. Um, so, I mean, the process for that is pretty simple. Uh, make sure the cycle is run on the crematory. Uh, make sure the retort has cooled down to an acceptable level, which was usually, what, like six, 500 degrees? Yeah. Somewhere yeah. in there. You let it get pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, open up the door, and then you go over to the rack that's hanging on the wall, and you grab, like, this 10-foot-long, it looked like a wire brush you used for a barbecue grill. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was, I was for some reason, I could never grab that thing without whistling the, uh, the chimney sweep song from Mary Poppins. <laughs> it just, every time... And uh, so you'll get this thing. It has a long metal handle on it and a big wire brush at the end of it. Uh, you open up the door. You make sure that the deceased has been completely cremated. There's nothing left in there but bone. And tell, tell them what it looks like when you open it. Um, it kind of, dude, I don't know. I mean, it looks like uh, the bricks are usually glowing. Yeah. So there's usually kind of a reddish glow. And then there's just a, a skeleton. Yeah. Laying in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that's all there. It's white. It's a bleached white from the heat. Uh, everything's dried. There's no more liquid marrow in those bones. They're dehydrated. Yeah. Um, and then you just, you look inside, make sure everything is good to go. Um, and then you reach down, you get a set of pliers and you reach down and get their identification tag. Mm-hmm. Because every deceased that goes into a retort gets an identification tag put with them. It goes right at the door, and it's right there. And this is another rumor and another myth that I want to address right now because I've heard it so much. People accuse the funeral industry of mixing up ashes all the time. How do I know this is really my grandma and not you know three or four other people? Mm-hmm. Well, because grandma went in there with a steel identification tag, and she came out with it. Yeah. So the first thing I always did was pull that ID tag. It goes and hangs on a hook on the side of the machine. And then you grab your big wire brush and you start sweeping out the cremains. Yeah. Those skeletal remains start getting swept toward the front of the machine. And that's pretty cool. Um, I mean, I'm sorry. It's not cool. But it's pretty cool because uh, there are like embers coming up as you sweep them. Mm-hmm. Little embers will shoot up off the bones. And it's it just it looks kind of cool. Uh, as you sweep them toward the front, you'll sweep it up over the lip of the retort, and there is like a large rectangular catch tray. It's, I don't know, maybe a foot deep, four feet wide. Yeah. And uh, you just sweep the, the skeletal remains into that. And then you take that tray, and you set it right next to that metal identification tag, and you let them cool down for a little while, because yeah. those bones are still way too hot to handle. Yeah, and then it's also that cardboard burn, too. So yeah. you have you have like ash in a sense, mm-hmm. um, but if you were to touch that, I mean it'll it'll you always wear gloves. Yeah, it'll melt that glove. Oh yeah, to your hand. That happened a couple times. Yeah, and it sucks. You just accidentally touch the tray, like not even, and just it'll just melt it, and it yeah. takes like three or four days to get that crap off. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. it's rough. Yeah, that's a burn. That's a burn. Or if you burn. Put your hand down on the brick on the, in the actual machine. Oh, uh, and that happens. <laughs> Yeah, I've done, that, I've done that a lot. Yeah, I've, I've grabbed that metal tag without pliers before, yep. just not thinking, you know. And just... That is an Amber Alert. Sorry, what the heck? So sorry. My ringer's off, too. That's Amber Alert will come through. Anyway. I'm surprised I didn't get it. Yeah. Um, My ringer actually wasn't off. I'm oh. the one that told everyone to turn off the ringers. Dang it. Failure. 
<laughs> do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, man. And so you you'll let that uh, you'll let those cremains cool off, and uh, come back later. Sometimes, sometimes you just go into the office that was attached to the crematory and you start typing up the paperwork. Yeah, you know, everybody gets uh, every set of cremains gets a card that goes with it that states the person's name. What was it? Name, date of birth, date of death. Yeah. Date of cremation. And, um... And funeral Identification home? number. ID funeral. number. Yeah. 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 And that goes... That will go into the temporary urn that mm-hmm. those processed cremains go into. Once you have that done, you put the card and the label with their file. Then you'll go back out. Usually the cremains are cool enough that you can process them now. Yeah. Uh, so you'll pick up your tray, carry them over to the old processor, which looks like a gigantic chrome box with a big open tray on top and a trap door in there. And you will empty the contents of that tray out onto that big flat area. And then you'll sweep over it with a magnet. And uh, what you're doing is you're looking for things that will mess up the processor. Yeah. You're looking for staples, uh, screws, uh, medical implants, hip implants, knee replacements, Stuff like that. And these things are big. Yeah. I mean, you're talking a knee replacement's like, what, seven pounds? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You can't miss them. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're <laughs> huge and they're heavy. <laughs> they're massive, yeah, man. If you let that go down into the uh, processing blade. Well, you got a $50,000 bill on your hands. Yeah, you got, you have some answering to do. So, yeah. Yeah. You're just making sure there's no excess metal. Or, um, I don't know. Yeah. Just metal. foreign objects that might hurt yeah. the machine, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you will for lack of a better word, pulverize those skeletal remains to turn them into smaller bits that will fit through that trap door into the processor. Yeah. Yeah, you have to smash down the bones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, once you have them smashed down pretty good, you're going to go ahead and open up that trap door. You're going to turn on the machine. Actually, you want to turn on the machine before you open the trap door because sometimes there's like a fragment left down in there and it'll come oh, out and yeah. hit you in the eye or something. Yeah. And... Uh, Basically, what this processor is is like a giant, um, well, like a food processor um, you'd have underneath your kitchen sink, just on a larger scale. That's what this thing is. So you'll start the machine, you open that trap door, and you start pushing the skeletal remains into that processor. Move them in, move them in, push all the big ones out, and then you'll get a brush and sweep every little bit of ash and everything that's left off of that tray and down into that hole it processes and as it processes it feeds the ash powder now is basically what it is it's very fine yeah. you'll, you're going to breathe it in you're going to cough you're going to have an asthma attack it's rough and it feeds it down into a bag that is inside a little temporary urn it's brown and plastic and uh, it fills it up You'll go ahead and get your identification tag. You'll twist that bag closed and affix the identification tag to the top of that with a zip tie. You'll put the card on top of that. Then you'll close the urn, put the label on top of the urn, and tape the urn shut. Yeah. Yeah, it's not hard. And that's processing. Yeah, it's not bad. It's it's an easy process. It's a good time burner. We don't have much going on around the office. You can run out and process a few, you know, bring them back and... And then after that, you know, of course, they get sent to whatever funeral home is presiding. 
some of them go to the county. If they're Jane or John Doe, they go to the county. Yeah. Some people never leave our office. Some people never left the office. Some people are uh, unclaimed, and they never leave. And they're just there. And I thought that was, like, the saddest thing for me, man, was the first time that I had to run an urn up to county, mm-hmm. and it was just rows, dude. Yeah. It was just, like, bookcases, just full of these remains that no one, I mean, who knows how far they dated back. I know. No one ever came to claim them. Yeah. I think we had, we had over 50 in our closet at one time. Man. I remember that day we had to run them all over to county and county, uh, they wanted them because they had just transformed the basement, like a section of the basement just to hold unclaimed ashes. And, and these aren't just like people that die without family. It's, it's people that die on bad terms. Yeah. So family will, they just don't want them. No. Family just doesn't want them, or or uh, or people think uh, they have to pay, and so they just they just don't pick them up. You just lay there, yeah, on a bookshelf for the for eternity. Yeah, I don't know. That's, that's a tough one, man. That's sad to think about. Mm-hmm. I try not to think about that too much. Yeah, that yeah that that is really sad, man. Because I I, I hope that my kids pick me up, and I'm not on somebody's bookshelf, yeah, taking up space too. Yeah. Because I've had to hear the lady at the county complain. And, like, I wish we could do something with these, you know? And it's like, I don't want to be that thought. Yeah. You know? Oh. Yeah. Inconvenient so. even after death. Yeah. That <laughs> just sucks. Getting them Still in the way. Uh, <laughs> well, and then uh, the company did a pretty cool thing where they were taking the, uh, they'd find out if any of them were veterans. And then they'd take them out to the, um, the state. I'm, I don't know what kind of cemetery it is. I'm sorry. Oh, that's pretty cool. Like yeah. the VA cemetery. Like, yeah, yeah, and they would. Wow. Yeah, they would do the drive out there. Oh, that's cool. If if it turned out that they were veterans or something. That's really cool. I never knew they did that. Yeah, and that was and that was a really cool thing that they would do. Yeah. Um, huh. Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, I like that was idea. Unclaimed, yeah. That's nice. And yeah, so every year you'd you'd have about I don't know ten unclaimed that were veterans. Yeah. Which is sad. I mean, the amount of people that go unclaimed. I mean, I've, I've literally talked to families. Because, I mean, families have to come to the office, fill out paperwork and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Give us as much information as they can. Um, and they're like, we're like, okay, we'll call you whenever they're ready. I've even called families. Like, okay, we'll be there in 15 minutes. And they never show up. Never show up. Never show up. Man. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. That's terrible. you got to wonder what happened in that person's life to lead them to just be... That's what I think about there. on decoms. You know, when you go to a decom and they've been down for a month and... Uh, the cops are like, well, the family said they haven't talked to him in a month. He's like, dude, I mean, sometimes my mom annoys me, you know, or, you know, me and my dad aren't on the best of terms, but, I mean, I still talk to him at least, yeah. you know, <laughs> once every two days, you Shoot know. Shoot a text or yeah. something. You know, I, I'm like, hey, are you, what are you doing, Man. you know? Yeah. I couldn't imagine going a month without hearing from my family yeah. or, like, without knowing what my sister was doing, and she's just chilling in a bed. Yeah. Just moldering away. Yeah. What was your oh. What was your first decomp like? Oh, oh man. <laughs> was it bad? Oh, it was awful, dude. It was terrible. Really? Yeah. My first decomp. Ugh. First decomp was. I had like two within like three days. I'm trying to remember which one came first. They were common, super common, man. Yeah. Seemed like I worked well, a ton of decomps, especially in the summer too. Oh because yeah. Because where we are, it's hot. Yeah. So I mean, you're if you're dead for two days. It's not going to be the best. No. And it's... It's not going to end well. I remember what my first decomp was. Oh, man. Okay, my first decomp 
was one that you and I and another one of our co-workers, muscle-bound young man. Okay. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. We worked this one together. It was an upstairs apartment, and uh, this guy had probably been down for, I don't know, a while. He'd been down for a while. Uh, he had bent over, just judging on the position that he was permanently stuck in, he had bent over to tie his shoe and just died. Like oh, had a stroke or yeah. a massive heart attack yeah. and just died right there on the edge of the bed. And uh, you remember this guy? You remember I do. Talking yeah. About? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about, yeah. Uh, large gentleman. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know what it was. That was the foulest smell. He wasn't that far gone, but that was the foulest smelling decomp I ever worked. Mm-hmm. Ever. In the whole time I was there, and I worked a lot. At various stages, and that one was just the worst for some reason. Um, I, remember, I remember that one. It stuck out so much because there were two reasons that one stuck out. One, because the guy had gone down tying his shoe, man, and he was just laid back on the bed, like with his, like with his arms still like close to his foot, and his leg was crossed. Mm. He had just fallen backwards into bed, dead. Yeah, and it was. I, well, I'm sorry, it's not funny. It's not funny, but. It was an odd position to yeah. see someone in. Yeah, you don't expect that. You don't expect that yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we had all the ca- all the classic stuff, man. Um, blisters, skin slip. Mm-hmm. He was bloated. As soon as we moved him, all that gas expelled. Purging out the mouth. Purging out the mouth. But the second reason I remember that call is because a an old friend of mine who had gone to the police academy here. He had just started on the force. Like, this guy was like a week into being a cop. And I'm sure this was his first death call. And he was freaked out, man. He didn't want anything to do with that. But, of course, he was the rookie. And so when I was like, hey, could I get somebody to help me get up on the bed in this puddle of human juice and help me move this cadaver? They just threw him right in there. Yeah, yeah, they'll do that. And that that was always kind of funny, too, because... You know, you see, I mean, we have a lot of cops starting all the time. Oh, yeah. And they'll make the rookie get right there with you. The nastiest stuff. And and it's funny because the rookies have, like, those nice gloves. You know, it's their first week. (laughs) Their wife got them a brand new pair of, like, beautiful gloves. They got the new flashlight. And it goes straight to shit, dude. As soon as they have to touch that sheet or they slip. Yeah. Their shoes are all shine and their uniforms all pressed and nice. Yeah. Ugh. They don't even take their duty belt off to get on the bed. Their gun just gets all slimy yeah. and it's gross. Yeah. Ugh. Dude, I remember. I remember. It wasn't. I don't think it was my first one. One of my first ones was this guy that uh, he was. Uh, he had some mental health problems, and he had lined the entire house with aluminum foil and mirrors. Oh no! And uh, he had like notes written to himself saying, "They're not going to catch me this time." You know, I can see all around me, whatever. So whenever you walk into a scene like that, you're like, yeah, I mean, it is it is what it is. I mean, it's interesting. You know, yeah. you're like looking around because you're like, what the heck, you know? Yeah. You're looking around and go to the back bedroom, and you, I could smell this guy from outside. Oof. Whenever we pulled up, I mean, he had been down two, three months in the middle of the summer. Oof. And uh, we walked to the back bedroom. Well, dude, the he, he was a large guy. He was four, 400. I'll just say 400. Well, his bed frame was like... Uh, like a, like a crate. I don't want to say a crate. Like a, I don't know. A design of some kind. It was it was like a diamond design. 
okay? Like okay. hollow diamonds. Yeah. And he stuck his arms through these. He it was sleeping with his arms straight out on his stomach, his arms straight out. Well, his arms had bloated so much they got stuck oh. in the in the diamonds. Oh. I don't know if that makes. I hope that makes sense. I want to yeah, yeah. say. And we couldn't get him out, dude. And I remember, dude, it smelled so bad. It smelled so bad. And and uh, uh, I did. I wasn't. Nobody had prepped me about blisters or anything like that. So we were trying to pull from his legs. We tried wrapping him up in the sheet. And we we're pulling from his legs, and the sheet was just popping all the blisters. Oh no! And so we'd have to like throw the sheet. Well. Uh, the guy I was working with threw it on the floor, and it just got the hard. It was hardwood floor, and it just got it all slimy, oh, and no. we're slipping, and we're trying to get his hands out. It took us an hour and a half to get his arms out from that, from that uh, thing. Oh my gosh. And uh, man, I didn't, I I can't believe I went into work the next day. But you do that, right? Yeah, I guess so. That's just the weird part of the job. You go and do stuff like that, and then you go and eat lunch. Yeah. Yeah, I always got really hungry after certain calls. Yeah. Yeah, you always get, like, <laughs> like really hungry. There are some that make you make yeah. you a little snackish. Yeah, and you're just like, damn, i got to eat. A little snackish. Ah, there gosh. are some that don't, though. There are some that will take your appetite. Yeah, well, decoms always took my appetite, I think. Did they? Do you ever smell it? Do you still smell it? Oh, yeah, all the time. Yeah. I catch it all the time, man. Mm, yeah, every once in a while I'm just walking and I'm like, someone's dead. Yeah. Yeah. They're not though. Like I mean, like I'll catch it like in the middle of like a field, man. I'll just be out standing. Oh no, someone's dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, I've been in enough. Wait, it's fields. the middle of a field. <laughs> yeah. I've been in enough fields, man. They're, they're dead. <laughs> I haven't watched enough crime dramas. I guess I don't know. It's because I'm not jogging. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> not jogging, and it doesn't look like a mannequin. Yep. Ugh. Yeah. No. Nah, every once in a while, it just hits the nostril. It does. It just comes back. Yeah. And it'll be the worst, like, five seconds of your life, mm-hmm. and then it just goes. You know where I, I smell it sometimes at fast food restaurants? That's, that's where I smell it the most. And I'll just get a whiff of something. And I don't know if it's just, like, a food. Because, I mean, when you're working, fast food is your diet. Yeah, that's but, all you eat. Yeah, man. so I don't know if it's just, like, the smells are associated together now. And so it just all hits at one time or something. But Yeah. Yeah, that's where I smell it the most. It's at fast food restaurants. Uh, I mean, I still eat. Yeah. Because I'm an animal. Hey. No self-control. Gotta eat to live, baby. I'm not going somewhere else. I'm already there. (laughs) I don't know, man. It's a, yeah, it it does happen, and I hate it when it happens. Yeah. You get that smell. It doesn't really affect me. There's only one call, I think, that was a decomp that made me lose my appetite. And that one was also my first experience um, vomiting on a police officer. Oh, you vomited? Oh, Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. This, uh, the gentleman that we got called to had been down for about a month. Mm-hmm. Sister found him. Uh, he was an older gentleman, mid-50s, completely naked, collapsed right next to the toilet. Uh, I think he had a GI bleed mm-hmm. because it was all over the house. And oh. for those of you that have never smelled a gastrointestinal bleed... I hate you. You are so lucky <laughs> because that is a smell that I really can't describe it with words. Mm-hmm. But just know if you've ever smelled it, I feel your pain mm-hmm. and I understand. But it had happened all over the house, man. And I guess this guy had just run for the toilet and he just didn't make it. Yeah. You know what I mean? He just collapsed on the side of the toilet and there he laid in the corner for about a month until his sister came in and I always felt bad for her man because she was still on scene when we got there mm-hmm. and that poor lady you could tell her mind was just gone she had yeah. just snapped her mind was gone man 
And uh, but I remember that one because we had to place the gurney down in the living room, like always, because they never fit down hallways. Yeah. And uh, make the extraction from the bathroom, and then go out there. And uh, yeah, we made the extraction down on the gurney into the bag. And we went to go zip it up, and the the bracelet, the identification bracelet, fell into the bag. And I, just without thinking, I was like, I got it. And I knelt down right over this guy's mouth and applied pressure right to his diaphragm. Oh. And I got the whole shebang, man. All of it just right in the face. And I just turned. Because, I mean, it was just instantaneous, man. It hit me, and I just turned, and there was a female officer, a lieutenant. (laughs) She was right behind me, and she caught the whole thing on her vest and right down the front of her shirt, man. I felt so bad. I felt so bad. I didn't mean to do it. It just happened. It just came out, and there was nothing I could do about it. And I don't think she understood that because she was very angry. (laughs) I wrote her an apology letter and sent it up to the police department. It happens. It happens. It happens. I've seen, yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of people throw it. It happens. I almost lost it. I Well, I did lose it one time. It was at the office, though. Um, another funeral home had brought a body for us to cremate, and you always have to check the body. you got to open up the body bag. He was in a body bag. You have to check it. You have to make sure that they have on the right identification, blah, 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 blah. No matter what. Yeah, no matter what. And I just don't, yeah, I mean, you get in a routine, and I didn't know... Um, a lot of funeral homes will use a body bag just to use a body bag. Mm-hmm. Um, we really didn't because we got so used to working with you know, messier situations. Yeah. So, um, dude, oh, dude, the, the stench. I opened it up and it just hit me. Mm-hmm. I started dry heaving in front of the funeral director. Oh, no. Uh, dude, I lost it in the trash can, dude. <laughs> oh, no. And I didn't, um, yeah, it just caught me off guard. Sometimes they just do. I never lost it on scene. I don't I had a couple of close calls. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, it's... It, it is. is. When, when you walk into a house or you walk in on a scene or whatever the situation is, you know, people... hope no one thinks it's disrespectful whenever, whenever we say, like, it was nasty. But nobody dies. Like, it, it's so rare that someone's just, like, in their pajamas, oh, yeah. wrapped up in a sheet. Actually, I've never seen that. Suicides. Before. Only time oh, I yeah. can ever think of. Yeah, suicides, well, that'll happen. But, like, nobody's, like... Just wrapped up, you know, in the sheet for us to carry away. People don't die peacefully. Yeah, most of the time. Unless they're heavily medicated, people just don't die peacefully. Yeah, and it's, um, you know, sometimes that no one's ever wearing clothes. Never. They're never <laughs> dressed. Um, That's my biggest fear. That's why I wear pajamas every night, dude. Yeah. Oh, That's, yeah, I sleep in shorts. I yeah. stay in my clothes until I go to bed, and then I put on pajamas because no one is coming to pull me out of my own bed <laughs> nude. Yeah, it's... It's weird. Uh, yeah, I had to start sleeping with clothes. Um, and if you die in a recliner or something like that, we have to figure out how to get you out of that recliner. It's you're, it's not easy. It's not it's not like an easy process. It's not. Dead weight is hard to move, man. Yeah, and if you're working with somebody that doesn't lift, yeah. it's even harder. It is. Or someone that's never moved weight from that angle. Because yeah. it's always a weird angle, too. Yeah. Like, y'all think you can deadlift? Nah, man. I want to see you try to get, like, a 150-pound lady off the floor. Yeah. You won't do it. You'll snap your back. Yeah, and, it, and you also have to get the gurney in a certain position. If you can't get the gurney down the hallway into the room, 
then you're like you're trying to put a sheet underneath somebody so you can get them up and get it's, them down the hallway. It's rough. Yeah, the hardest calls though the 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 most nerve wracking ones are when you're uh, is when you can't get the gurney down the hallway, and it was a hospice patient, so yep. the family's all there, and you have to go cradle them. Yeah, and and Granny doesn't weigh. 120. No, man. Granny weighs 180. Oh, yeah. And you're cradling her. And you're going down a little hallway. And you're trying to make her look peaceful. Yeah. You've got the sheet wrapped all the way around her. Mm -hmm. You grab it from the head first so that no purge comes out. Yeah. And you've just got to make her look angelic yep. while your knees are just buckling underneath <laughs> yeah. you, you know. And you lost one arm to that because you're, you're head supporting. You're, yeah, you're, you're head supporting. Full direction. Your shoulders are on fire, yeah. man. Yeah, you, you have one arm underneath the body because your yeah. other one is underneath her head. That's it. So that everyone thinks she's asleep. Yeah. You know. You can't just fireman carry people out. No. You can't do it, no. man. I've heard stories of someone trying. I bet that didn't end well. Yeah. And, then, I mean, it's I mean it's the job, you know, and we're it happy is. to do it, but... It's uh yeah it's it is not easy when you're in that little situation. It's not man, and that's the thing. And it but you know what? And I I don't want to disrespect anyone because I understand that we all love our family members. Mm-hmm. The worst calls are hospice calls, where the family wants to help. Yeah, bless them. They just want to get like one last chance to to touch their loved one. Yeah, they've been caring for this person for months. At the end of their life, that person has moved on. And they're dealing with it, and they're the ones that have been in physical contact, and they want to make that last trip. Mm-hmm. And it's very touching, and you can't tell them no, but it never works out. Mm-mm. It never works out because they always want to take the torso, they yep. want the main part of the body, yep. and they're not used to moving that. Sure, they transferred mom or grandma out of bed. But they were still alive, and even if they were weak, they could latch around a neck and maybe help. Yeah. It's a totally different thing. Yep, I've seen... Totally different. I've seen a lot of people go for that mid-torso section, yep. and when the legs and the head dip... Yep. Because there's no support at all, they drop them. Yeah. I've seen that. So many, and it doesn't matter. I have told so many families, because they... I mean, and I don't I don't take offense to it. They, if they want to no. do it, I've always been like, hey, you're more than welcome to do it. Let me just tell you how to do it. And uh, one guy told me... He knew how to do it. You know, he told me he didn't, he didn't care what I thought. Okay. He dropped her on the floor. Oh, oh man. man. And then and then it was my fault. Yeah. Um, however that happened. You didn't tell me it was going to be like that. Yeah. What's wrong with you, bro? Yeah, you know, that's Come that's on, a hard man. thing. So if your funeral director shows up. Let them do their job. Let them do it. They've, they've done it in horrible situations. They can do it for you, and it's easier. Yeah. If you, All around. If you want to help, go to the living room. That's it. Just wait. Go to the living room. I promise you, you will have one last chance to say goodbye before we leave that house. Yeah, I've never seen a funeral director deny that. No. I'm not just going to throw your loved one on the gurney and just push him out the front door. Yeah. You know what I mean? But my spiel was always this. This is what I always told people every time, no matter if it was a hospital, wherever there was family. It was always, I'm here to help your loved one move on to the next step. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do that with dignity and respect. But what's about to happen is going to look very different from anything you've ever seen. Yeah. You are more than welcome to stay, and you are more than welcome to help me if you'd like to. But understand that you are going to see things that you're not used to and things that you may have a hard time getting out of your mind. Mm-hmm. Maybe it would be better to just remember them as they were. Yeah. You know? And not, and not like you're going to ragdoll the body, but no. you have to roll it. You've got to put the sheet under. Purge will come out of the mouth. You know, for They're going to make noises. Reasons. Yeah, for various reasons they've died. 
And the family's not used to that. No. I'm sure after the loved one died that they were just laying there. You know, they haven't moved her, cleaned her, or anything. No. So whenever we start moving and doing things, things are happening, and the family does not expect that. And they're not ready it, for it. Yeah, it catches them off guard. They see Grandma Purge, and it's just tears. Yeah. And, and it's, it's hard sad. on them, man. Yeah, it's sad. It's, it's undue stress, I always thought. Mm-hmm. That and... There were a couple. There were a couple times where people threatened to assault me or like oh, yeah. end yeah. my life, and I tried to warn. Like, she's not going to sit up, and she's not going to help herself onto this thing. Yeah, limbs are going to sag. Their mouth is going to come open. There's going to be some noises. Yep, that gas passes up through the vocal cords, and your loved one is going to make a noise. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you're physically or mentally prepared for that. Yeah, and that it, it it catches them off guard every time. It does. And, uh, I mean, it's sad, dude. You're not it's very sad. Those all those were the calls I always left feeling bad. Yeah, was the ones where the family wanted to stay and help, but they weren't ready for it. Yeah, and you could just see their you could just see the hurt. You know, when things started going on, it was like I. You can't warn them any more than you do before you go in there. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't make it any easier on them. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. make it any easier. Well, shoot, man. Is there anything else we should talk about? No, that was good. That one might click. Actually. We talked about a lot. Good yeah. Lord, we're at almost an hour. Yeah, that was nice. That was. A lot of topics. That yeah. was good. We covered a lot. Yeah. And so, I mean, guys, just don't think we're, like, disrespectful when we talk about anything. It's just, that's just the nature of the job. It Honestly. is. Yeah, I mean, sure, at your job, when someone tries to help you, you just want to do it. You know, there's... Whatever it is, if you're cooking burgers and, and the waiter comes and tells you how to add the cheese, I'm sure you, you know how to add the cheese. You got some words. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, you get this down, you yeah. get it down with science. And, yeah. Yeah. It's it's just, it is what it is, man. The people that are coming to do this job are trained. Yeah. They know what they're doing. And, it, you know, it, they're not they're not cruel people. They're people with hearts. Yeah. They're people who have definitely lost loved ones. Mm-hmm. Nine times out of ten, I think that's what drives most of the people into the business. Yeah, definitely. You know, and uh, it's hard for them too. It's very hard. There was never a call that I went into where there was family there where it was easy. It's never yeah. easy, man. It's never easy. Yeah, we, we have to put on a very professional exterior. Yes, we have to walk in there. And yes, I say the same thing. I have a well-rehearsed speech that I say to every single family. Mm-hmm. But every time those words come out of the mouth of a funeral director or a mortuary assistant, whatever they may be, they hold the same meaning. They are there because they care about you and about your family. And they're there to do their job that they're trained to do. So yeah. don't hold that against them. Don't be mad at them. Yeah. Don't take offense. It's how we're all going to end one day, man. We all die. Yeah, and you're going to be there someday, too? Yeah, I just hope mine's in my bed. Really? With easy access for the gurney. Yeah. So someone's not just like, damn it. If I can see it coming, yeah, man. Yeah. If I if I have some time to prepare, it'll be the easiest removal anybody ever made. In there. I'll hook myself up to pulleys, bro. And y'all can just <laughs> tug one string and I'll just transfer myself. Yeah. God, that'd be nice. Just don't worry about me. You know what I mean? I'm not going to get morbidly obese. Like, I'm not going to be 500 pounds. I'm not putting that strain on anybody. Nope. Start running, guys. Start jogging. Yeah, start good. good health. Start taking care of yourselves. Yeah, go out there and and have a good life. Yeah, that's what our next one should be about. What's that? The oversizes. Yeah, let's do the next one on oversizes. Yeah. That's that's an aspect I don't. I think a lot of people don't uh, 
That's a totally different side of things. That's a whole different side from yeah. from everything, dude. Yeah. Cremation removal, whole thing. Yeah, that's a that's an art within itself. And that's an important topic to talk about because I read a I read a study that said that uh, the average male is something like twenty two pounds heavier than we were twenty two years ago, hmm. and the average female is something like eighteen pounds heavier than they were twenty years ago. We're getting denser, folks, and we're getting a lot heavier. I think now more than ever, it's important for us to start taking care of ourselves. Yeah, you know? yeah. We'll 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 do the next one on, on yeah. exercises. Yeah, that'll be fun. We'll start. That'll be a really good one. All right, guys. Thank you, guys. Come back. Remember, this is Cooler Talks: The Mortuary Stories with Mark and Anthony. Love you guys. Bye. Bye.